Whether you're a polyamateur or polyambitious, polyambiguous or polyam, I really hold your head high. Let your freaky flag fly, cause your polyamory should be uncensored. Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 93, where we're talking to Aaron about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. Well, hello, Aaron. Our first question is just simply, who are you? Hello. Um, so I'm Erin and I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a teacher, I'm a partner and a friend and also a musician, singer, performer, all those good things. Are there any other ways that you identify? What are your pronouns? Um, some cis female. So she, her is great. I would, I am bisexual and probably interchangeably pansexual with just a splash of sapiosexual, I would say. And, and then I am polyamorous, of course. Uh, what does polyamory mean to you? Um, so I was thinking about that and I think I have a couple things come to mind. Um, first of all, it's like if I were going to define it in a dictionary, I would say it's like recognizing like one's ability and capacity to love beyond the heteronormative constructs. So that could be romantically, that could be casually, that could be emotionally and sexually, or really any combination of, of those things. Um, like personally, I think it's kind of a removing pressure off of one person to provide everything you might need for your life and your whole life, really, because when I think about what I needed and wanted when I was 23, that's very different from what I need and want now. And I don't think it's fair to assume that the same person should be able to do that for your whole life. Um, it also, I like the idea of like creating a community of people or belonging to a community of people who just like love and support you, whether they are your fellow poly friends and acquaintances, or if you choose to do like a kitchen table, which is what I do prefer, um, partners amongst partners and just feeling like this sense of community around you. And with that, essentially just creating the family you choose. Cause I know for me, that's huge. Cause the family I was given doesn't support me in the way that the family I chose does. So all of that really is what polyamory does mean to me. What drew you to polyamory? Um, <laughs> if I'm being 100% honest at first, it was sex. Just the idea of having multiple partners sexually was very appealing. And I think not just because of the activity itself, but because the idea of like big feelings and emotions outside of my marriage was like incredibly scary to me. So at first it was like, I don't know how I feel about this whole extra 
boyfriend girlfriend thing but yeah like having more sex sounds a lot of fun so that's what it was in the beginning um but as i've evolved as a person and um as a partner that is it's more so about the connection that draws me so i love i'm like a connection aholic i just love to see if I meet somebody or if I start speaking with somebody like, what's that dynamic going to be between the two of us? And I'm not even necessarily looking for it to be a sexual or romantic one. Just like, could it be a friendship? Could it be a mentor? Could it be this or that? So like, I've really come to embrace that. It's less about sex now and more about how do two people connect and where is that going to go? And what, if anything, do you find difficult about polyamory? Um, Oh, there's a lot I would find difficult. (laughs) Um, I think in the beginning, again, like I feel like there's like this two part of me, like the beginning and now. So like in the beginning, it was very hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that I was not getting replaced. It wasn't a situation of you're not enough. So I need more. Um, That took years for me to really grasp even though i rationally understood it like my my like mind and my body weren't connecting them at the same time so that was difficult at the beginning um what i find very difficult now is like fomo that is like i'm a fomo is i'm afraid of it like anyway with friends and coworkers, but like when it's your partners um that's like the most difficult thing for me especially when you have like um, like triad situations and you're the, you're not part of something. It's just like, Oh, it's a weird, yeah. It's a challenging feeling to navigate sometimes. So when did you know that you were poly? So the first time I really knew I was poly was when I actually fell in love with someone else the first time who wasn't my husband. Um, because I think up to that point, it felt more just like, at least for me, it was, ethically non-monogamous because it was just kind of fun and games and flings and encounters. But when I actually fell in love with someone else and I realized that I didn't love my husband any less, I actually felt like stronger amplified feelings of love for my husband because I was giving and receiving additional love. So when that's kind of when I wrapped my head around it and realized, Hey, this isn't just sex necessarily. This is like human beings and emotions. And like, I'm not going to get replaced because I don't want to replace my husband just because I love this other person. And um, that's when the real work I think started and the real evolution for me started. And I realized, yeah, I, I am Polly. This is what it is. And when, if ever, have you felt different from other folks? Oh, I've, always felt very different. Um, So this is a little less about like polyamory different. This is more so about like me. Um, So like, I remember being very young and having like sexual thoughts and ideas, but not knowing what they were, you know, being like five, six, seven years old and um, feeling like I really wish there was, I had a companion in bed with me. I really wish. So I would like, fluff my pillows together and lay with that, you know, like, this is my Prince Charming, like not in a weird, like adult child way, but you know, know. like 
just whatever my young mind like thought. Um, and I grew up in a, in a religious home. I went to Christian school from kindergarten to 12th grade. And it's just not something you talked about, not at least in any sort of positive way. It was just what you don't do. And um, I was, so I knew I was different right away. Cause I felt like no one else even thinks about this stuff. I'm, I'm weird. I must be very strange. And then I remember like growing into adolescence and puberty and feeling like I wanted to be doing things like masturbating. And I thought, this is my dirty secret. Like nobody in the world does this. Like it's very shameful. So I felt very different from my peers and my, my community and family around me. And then like, I remember thinking that I didn't have any crushes on girls around me that I knew, but I would dream and I would think about just like anonymous girls that I, I wished I could kiss them. I wish I could touch them. I wish I could like feel what it felt like. And I thought that can't be right because I like boys. I'm straight. So I must be, I'm, I'm not gay. I'm not straight. And in my small mind at the time, I cringe to even remember this moment, but I remember thinking that bisexuals were full of shit because when I, you know, I make mean, either gay or straight and that's it. And I thought there's no way I can like girls because I know I like boys. So I'm going to push that down. I'm going to hate that part of me. And I'm going to hate everybody who's like says they like both. And I developed this like biphobia because of who I was trying to hide about myself. And like today, like I still I cringe when I think about this because it's like, oh, my God. But I remember thinking the bisexual people are ruining the gay people because they just want to love who they love. And here come these other people trying to say, no, you can love everyone. And this is what my small like mind thought as a young person. So that was, that was very different. Um, I have not sit in those thoughts anymore. Those thoughts are gone. (laughs) But so that was very different from a lot of people around me. And then again, like I said, when I fell in love, I felt different. I fell in love with a, a third person, not my husband. Like no one else in my life had, at the time had ever done that. So that was very different as well. And um, yeah, it took me like 34 years to figure all that out. And it's, I mean, I'm not having, I'm sure I haven't figured everything out about myself, but like it took a while to really get through all those feelings and realize this is not different. This is just me and it's okay that it's mm-hmm. not like everybody else. So yeah, that's, that's a lot. I know. <laughs> that's totally great. Where would you say you are in your poly journey? Um, still discovering, still traveling. Um, I do have, I, I've, I have several like really meaningful relationships right now. Um, I have, I'm married to my husband and I have, I've been partnered with a a woman for almost 11 months now. And I'm also partnered with her husband. And then I have an additional male partner that's like kind of new and up and coming. And then I just, I still consider myself a casual dater, sometimes more than less, depending on what my life looks like at the time. Um, If I could have like my ideal, like dream come true, I just want to like create a big old commune of all like the people I love and like all of their families and their partners are free to be there. And we grow vegetables and we have like our own little community, like not a cult, but you know, just like a, a 
community living type thing. I don't know if that's never going to happen, but if I had my wish, um, but honestly, what I, what I would love for myself to go eventually is to, I'm still very much in the closet, especially in my public life. Um, I wish I could be who I was and say who I was like at my job um, with my family, um, with people that I've known forever that don't think the same way that I do about the world. And um, I wish I could go on a date in my hometown and hold my partner's hand without whipping my head around to see if someone's going to recognize me that I'm not with my husband. And um, I guess, I mean, I eventually just not care what people think about me. Uh, I would love that. But when you are a teacher in a small town, it's, it's very difficult because people recognize you and they're not always kind as to how you, you know, who you are. So that would be where I would love to go is just to not care anymore what people think about me and just live my life openly. Well, that answers our next question, which is uh, where do you hope to go in your poly journey and uh, poly goals for sure, right? Yes, Um, absolutely. (laughs) Any Um, other poly goals that you have in there? Ooh, um, I don't know. I like, I don't, it's so hard to like someone this morning just asked me like, well, what would you, what are you looking for in your next relationship? I'm like, I don't know. I just kind of, I just kind of go into every situation very open-minded and um, I try not to set uh, like a, a, an end goal or anything. Cause it's like, well, if that doesn't go the way I wanted to, I might set myself up for disappointment. So I guess I don't really have any other goals beyond just living more comfortably in my life um, and just continuing to improve myself and be a good supporter of my other partners with their partners um, and just work on work on managing and navigating all these big feelings that come along with this life. So why would you say you're poly? Um, it makes me happy. Like as much grief as we like put ourselves through sometimes, it's just like I am very happy and like it just seems to make sense for me i know it doesn't make sense for everybody but i feel like a lot of people if they were more honest with themselves would avoid a lot of fighting and a lot of um bad endings to relationships if if maybe the world embraced this a little bit more and people could talk freely about it so it makes me happy because i feel like it really has enhanced my marriage Um, Because we both are finally like feeling ourselves and we can, we don't feel threatened by other people. We don't feel like other people threaten our marriage, which I think is what happens when you live monogamously. At least in my experience, you worry about other people becoming like the better than you and they're going to take your place. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel that way anymore. Cause even if somebody came along that met, a need of my husband's like, I know I'm not just going to be gone because that other person is here. So it just, it makes me happier and it makes our marriage better. And um, I get really excited when like my other partners say they had a, a date, like I'm starting to finally feel a little bit of, Oh my God, the word escaped. me. Compersion. Thank you. I was going to say contrition. That's not right. No, no. <laughs> Compersion. I'm finally starting to feel it. it took me a long time to Like you feel and I don't feel it all the time, but like I am starting to finally get there. So that's why. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, why did you agree to be interviewed today? Because I felt like I could actually, I can be out of the closet 
for this next hour or whatever and <laughs> talk about who I am in a more public forum and not hush hush with just people that, you know, know who I am. I can I can just speak freely. And I love that feeling. Wonderful. Yeah. Glad we can be your little sanctuary of yes. like out of the closet sanctuary for, yes. a, for an hour. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey there. Interested in more polyamory uncensored content? You're in luck. We just started a blog, polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com. We're going to be showcasing stuff like episode breakdowns, polyamory and ethical non-monogamy related book reviews and guest posts from authors like you if you'd like to be a guest author contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com and you might be able to see your work up on our website again that's polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com and we're going to have some fun new poly related content for you thanks see you there And we're back with Aaron today. And our topic for uh, discussion with Aaron is going to be on ethical triads. And just to get kind of a lay of the land, oftentimes there is a distinction that a lot of people like to, to clarify when it comes to ethical triads versus unicorn hunting. And if you could give us and the audience a little bit more information, like what is the difference between an ethical triad and maybe a couple searching for a unicorn? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll preface this by saying I am nowhere near an expert. So if my, my experience might not line up with everyone else's and that's fine, but I speak true just from my experience um, is that the difference truly is that in an, in an ethical triad, everyone has voice and everyone's feelings and um, needs are being taken into consideration. And in a unicorn hunting situation, it's very much a hierarchy, an established couple adding a third and also just as easily disposing of that third, despite how that third person feels. And in my experience as the unicorn, if you get into that situation, it's like an all or nothing. You get to be with both of us or neither of us and too bad for you, no matter what. Whereas in the ethical triad, you feel like not, you know, and this is, you have, you're on all the same, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to say level, but yeah, kind of, you're all equally being heard and considered in decisions and whatnot. So I do think that Oftentimes when folks complain about unicorn hunters, one of like a knee jerk response, sometimes from unicorn hunters will be like, oh, no, we're just looking for a triad. And sometimes there's a lot, especially as like maybe uh, like a bi woman who's new to the community or, or not new. I mean, I've been in the community for 15 years and I've still like will try to suss out what do they mean? You know, like, mm-hmm. are they going to respect my autonomy and voice and and and, do you get to develop an independent relationship with each person so you're all individual people in relationships not a couple in a relationship correct and and as someone who you you have been a unicorn but you've also been in a couple that's open to other folks like i don't know do do you think there are red flags to look out for or maybe green flags to look out for. Okay. Yeah. So a red flag for sure. Now that I'm wiser um, (laughs) would be a lot of like we language. We want to do this. We want to do that. 
the wife prefers the husband prefer like the just like establishing right away whether they realize it or not that language establishes that you're coming in as an extra you are not coming into like meet these two people as individuals and you know form some sort of you know organic bond between all three like you are here as a human human sex toy um sometimes unfortunately is how it feels um so that's I mean, that's, if that's what you're into and you know. you know and i will say that i don't like poo poo that because i think sometimes that can be fun as long as you are consenting to that you know if everyone's clear like like if if a couple was approached me and said that's what we want and i was like fine with it then sure whatever mm-hmm. but if if it's a it's the guise of oh we want this we would like to have a, we would we would like to share a girlfriend is like you know that kind of language is like ooh you okay i don't yeah. know so that's very red flag to me um green flags are more like i feel like it's it's the exact opposite it's like maybe you meet maybe you hit it off first with the one of you know let's just say the woman um like and you start building this relationship and then she's like you know i really feel like my husband would you guys would get along and it's not in a way of i really think the three of us would have fun in bed i think the three of us i think you would get my husband would like you because of these attributes right that's like a green flag that's that that to me makes me feel valued as a person and as a human and that the the woman is like not just on a hunt to find you know some other partner in in the mix it's like no i like you and i want my spouse who i love very much to know you because i think you would get along and then who knows like it's usually in my experience people who and Again, my experience, people who are where I've ended up in ethical triads happened organically. It didn't happen because the couple was like, let's go find a girlfriend or boyfriend that we can enter a triad. in." it was no, like I was dating one part of the, the couple, got to know the other part, got to fall in love or be connected. And now because we're all three similar and we all three love each other, now we've formed this whole new different relationship as the three of us and And i think that's really key like that organic development where you know you aren't trying to force some kind of connection with Mm -hmm. someone because you are attracted to their partner and you know the price of admission is also finding the other partner attractive. Exactly, and I've—I'll be. What do they call? What's the opposite? Is it dragon hunters when you're looking for a man? I mean, we've been <laughs> calling um, unicorns like unicorns, whether they're men or women, okay. on this on this podcast that we have because we, we had the the unicorn episode where we talked to like three people who identified as unicorns, and two of them were men. Oh, one okay. was a woman. Yeah. So, like, I think that I mean, some people will call them like pegasus or dragons oh. <laughs> or whatever but lovely <laughs> but i definitely think that unicorn is non-gendered yeah. and there's non-binary unicorns right Agreed. so I, I think it's non-gendered but also like it's funny to imagine you know dragons and pegasus too it you is, know? It is. they're I just agree. mythical creatures that don't exist right. that's all exactly. that really matters <laughs> well but and it's I, fun to think about yeah exactly i mean and i'll admit like um on occasion my husband and i do search for a like cis male to just but we're very upfront where we're like hey we want like we're interested in this if you're up you know if you're up for it like let's talk and like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and that's fine 
but like we we open with it we it's not we try very hard to make sure that that is known because we don't want anyone to feel like they're being like baited into a situation that they're not going to be comfortable and that it's you know like that so I've also found that there's a lot more like cis men who are game for just being yeah. a toy, right? Like yeah. just being a plaything yeah, for a night. For sure. And then they're like, I'm going to have fun and I'm not going to catch feelings today. And this is going to be just what it is. Um, I've definitely seen that. I've seen it. People post it on their profiles. I've also seen people like literally say it to me like, oh, yeah, I love being a unicorn It's for a night, you know, right. like. Yeah, and yeah. So that does feel like ethical, consensual use right non-exploitive yeah 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 like yeah you're being a sex toy right now but totally consensually and it's all good (laughs) like like, uh that is it's also like a really interesting dynamic because it's kind of a reclaiming of the term unicorn in an ethical way whereas most of the time and in the community unicorn hunter and like unicorn uh, by proxy are like derogatory terms you know like it's like a it's like they term unicorn is also like synonymous with the term victim because the Mm. term unicorn hunter is like synonymous with predators and um and so it is really interesting to see the reclaiming of it in a certain community that is often more casual and more upfront about it's just sex you know yes yes and i think that's the that's where the difference is is you know with any kink or with anything that might be taboo i feel like if all the all the adults are consenting and communicative upfront, then like, I really don't care what people do as long as everyone's being heard and being, yeah, being felt like their opinions and thoughts and feelings do matter. And I think oftentimes the the problem ends up occurring if it's like a bait and switch, right? Where the couple is assuming it's only going to be sex, no feelings. And then the person entering the relationship is like, no, I'm going to be a I'm going to be an equal partnership with both of you. And this is going to create another whole relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then they're very mistaken and, and that doesn't occur. Um, another I think one flag. of the other really challenging things can be, you know, you don't always, you might think that you know what you want and not actually turn out to be right. And trying yeah, to absolutely. navigate yeah. when that initial communication has happened, but the circumstances may be changed or the feelings may be different than you imagined they were going to be. I think that's where I would imagine that it gets a lot more complicated. And my sort of limited experience was, which was much more unicorn hunted than egalitarian was definitely like, oh, wait, but yeah, you don't know what you don't know. So a lot of couples will go into unicorn hunting thinking, I want to share a girlfriend with my partner. Right. And I want it to be equal and respectful. And, but then when you get into the weeds of it, you're like, or oftentimes the couple is like, okay, but they're not more important to me. Like, obviously like, Oh, okay. But like, if I need to veto this relationship, I get to like, obviously, you know, it's all all these couples privilege things crop up, which they had no concept of before going into it because they didn't know. Right. And that, and unfortunately that ends up being a lot of poly folks first experiences is really bad unicorn hunter or trying to do a triad yes. experience and then it crashes and burns because they're they didn't know what the fuck they were mm-hmm. doing and and there are so little models of good you know behavior yeah. in the community oftentimes we see a lot of bad behavior yeah. so yeah I, I do i do give some grace to people who are new and think that 
you know, starting a triad is the, is poly 101 when really it's a 500 level course, you know, and they get into it and they're like, Oh shit, I am not prepared. I did none of the prerequisite work. (laughs) It really is. And like, that's kind of like my, about a year ago, I got hurt really bad because I got into a very similar situation to what you were just describing is like, I connected with a, a guy and like fell, ooh, lightning hard, really fast for each other. And uh, just so happens that his wife was like awesome and amazing. And I really liked her as a person and we got along great. And then the two of them went through some relationship stuff and split up for a bit. And he was being weird and she wanted to still be in touch and ended up, I ended up really kind of liking her as we, you know, as she was talking her way through this situation. And cause I thought he was falling off the face of the earth. I was getting close to her and really liked her. And all of a sudden he came back and said, well, I'm back. <laughs> and I'm like, great. And um, it was like a thing where I, I didn't think it was a situation of, I had to have both of them or none of them. But then I quickly realized, damn, yep. That's, that's the, that's the situation I'm in right now. So I had to essentially just walk away from both of them. And I still like, I'm sad about it because what he did, he was, I mean, this can be a whole nother level of conversation, but he was pretty toxic towards me, but she was amazing. And I, I lost her as not only like a potential partner, but a friend because it was, nope, we're, we're doing this together. This, and then I saw them on a, an app not too long after and they specifically said, we are looking for a unicorn, single ladies only. And it's all, of, it's us together. So at least maybe they're putting it out there. <laughs> you know, I'm giving them the benefit of the right, better like, to be honest. Yeah, it was, it was just sad. Cause I was like, damn, we could have like really maybe been something or at least anything. I could have had this new friend, um, but I just had to lose her because he just, he vetoed us essentially, you know? So it was really hurtful and really sad. But it's it, it was a learning experience for me because it's red. There were red flags in there all over the place that I didn't notice until they were done, and now I see them quicker in other relationships. So mm-hmm. it's absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. I do. It's so funny when you have such like a I don't know traumatic might be a harsh word, but kind of traumatic relationship and failing or explosion of a relationship or whatever. And it hurts so much in the moment, but then years later, you're like, Oh, but I learned so much. Like there's so much that I now see as a red flag that I didn't back then. And then, and you see them again happening with, you know, other people in the community and you're like, Oh, I was there, been there. Won't do that again. You know, like, and so Mm -hmm. it is really sad that you have to learn so much in this community trial by fire, (laughs) but, but it is really informative when you have, when you go through it and then you, you see it happen again. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that that's a lot of just dating really. That's true. Like when you're young and you are trying to figure out relationships at all, you get your heart broken, you break other people's hearts. Nobody's usually out there trying to be an asshole, but you know, we're not well educated in communicating what we want or identifying what we want or, you know, not hurting people's feelings, having healthy boundaries. So it just is not taught, right? Extra complicated when it's 
in a poly context because there's more people and more, more feelings people. and more communication and less resources to yes. navigate and less social support. Exactly. And I do think I, I kind of liken poly dating, especially when you're new to like high school dating all the time. I was like, did you get your, you know, or new dating really? Did you get your heart broken when you didn't know what you're doing? It's probably because you weren't, you know, experienced and then you become experienced and you, I think you get better at breakups, right? Like, and I think I've said this before, like you, you just know what you're doing a little bit more. And so breakups become less volatile and explosive and dramatic because you know what you're doing and you can communicate what you need and want. And so then, you know, I don't know, some of my first breakups where like I wrote out notes to be like, so this is why I'm doing this. And this is why I'm, and this is my, I, these are the boundaries you broke, you know, like, and I wrote yes. down to be able to formulate um, sentences because uh, when I'm emotional, I can't talk very well. And so I, I distinctly remember having to write out things. And I was like, how did I have a page full of notes of things that were wrong in the relationship? Like, how did I get it to, how did it get to that point? And now my like bullshit tolerance is so low. I'm like, I wouldn't get to a page. <laughs> no, like exactly. I get to like two and I'm like, all right, you're done. We're done now. Like, this mm -hmm. is insane. So yeah, it's so interesting that you, the, you, you know, like the ways that you can develop yeah, as a dater in the mm -hmm. community. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Aaron, do you have advice for, people who are, you know, how, how do you navigate a healthy triad? Oh, Lord, I don't know. <laughs> well, what has worked for you? You got, you are in a, a healthy triad, right? You're in an ethical triad with your partner. Yeah, I guess or I'm two technically partners. in two, so yeah. two ethical triads, but. So are you, all, so you are in one with your husband, but you're also like the quote unquote unicorn in another one. Is that what you yes. explained? Okay. Yes. So I, my husband and I, both separately date the same woman, but the three of us, so, and then there's like the three of, so it's, it was, it's interesting about triads. And when I, I guess here's my first tip of advice, like my first tip is it's not just a triad. It mm -hmm. is four relationships. It's the relationship between you, like okay, me and my husband, my husband and my girlfriend, me and my girlfriend, and then the four of us. So those are four dynamics that you're now three of you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You said four. Yeah, yeah. My bad. <laughs> the four relationships. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. four relationships within a triad. So like, and then on top of that, so then I, I have that same thing in, in the other one. So it's like, my first tip would be, you have to really examine yourself and say, am I in a place where I can emotionally and mentally and like schedule wise maintain these relationships because mm -hmm. if I can't, I have to be honest with myself and honest with the people involved. Um, because if I, and that, that can be hard. And that's where before I said like FOMO is really difficult because like, I recognize that sometimes my husband and girlfriend, they need privacy. They need to develop and, and grow their relationship. And that means I'm not there or I'm not involved or they're going to do things without me. And that can, that was really hard at first because I'm like, these are two people I love so much. And like, now they don't want me around. That's not true. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm, but that's mm -hmm. so like that it's like you, if you don't think that you can give those you know people the space to do that, then you might not be ready. And then when it comes, so that'd be like my first tip. And then I, I think too, what you have to realize is um, again, from my own experience too, like 
we, I know like couples privilege is not something that you, we like to talk about, you know, it's not, it's not something we desire to use, but like as, as the other person, right. I'm thinking about the, 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 I'm the quote unquote unicorn in the Mm -hmm. other situation. There are going to be some inherent privilege things because I am not, I do not have children with, you know, the other couple. I do not own property. I do not like, so like, you also have to kind of wrap your head around the fact that like, no, they're not exercising couples privilege. They're just on a different level of commitment because they are married and I'm not married to them. And you have to be okay with that to an extent as you know, well, and you Sometimes, can have couples privilege yeah. without abusing it. Exactly. Right? Like, like it's, if it's just if, a real, a reality of the situation, yeah. but it doesn't mean that they're uh, taking advantage exactly. of you. And I think some people get, some people like to throw couples privilege around as an all or nothing. Like you're either going to have it or you're not. And if you're going to have it, you're being unethical. And I'm like, no, nobody is being unethical. We're being grown ass adults that have responsibilities. Like, yeah, the kids come first sometimes and I'm sorry, like we have to cancel or like, I'm sorry. Like, I think once you can wrap your head around both of those things and be okay with it, that would be like step one. Like you might be ready to enter into it. Well, and again, I think one of the things there is also being comfortable acknowledging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a couple's privilege thing. And it's just a fact of our situations and lives and where we are. And Okay, you know, like yeah. we're not pretending this couple's privilege doesn't exist. Exactly. We're not gaslighting you about it. And yeah. you're not, you know, asking us to pretend it doesn't exist either and asking mm-hmm. to be, you know, equal with us and our mortgage. And, yeah. you know. exactly. and on occasion, you know, it's nice to also challenge it. Like, oh, I have a work event. Maybe I shouldn't just assume that my wife is the only one that I get to bring. Like maybe mm-hmm. I should bring my girlfriend sometimes, you know, and, you know, yeah. to everyone's comfort level and extent right. of what they're able to, because uh, right. everyone has a different, you know, I, again, I'm very privileged in that my job encourages me to be polyamorous, you know, like, so <laughs> if awesome. I, work event, I could bring my partner or my husband or my you know boyfriend. I could bring a friend like it, they're yeah. just like, they just would not give a shit. So I feel like yeah. challenging it when you are able to is also nice to like, just yeah. I keep it in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um, communication is obviously in any relationship, but especially with multiple people involved is, is going to be my next piece of advice because if I'm um, and, and honest, okay. Communication one and part two of that would be find a poly person you trust who is not part of your triad that you can talk to. Do not air it out on social media. Like, cryptically do not like there's there's a person in particular that when i'm having some hard feelings it's and it's the stuff and i'm not saying like don't don't not talk about your feelings but when it's that quote-unquote stupid stuff that you know is fine but your your head is getting in your way Mm -hmm. it's really nice to have yeah my friends who are mono are very supportive and loving, but they don't like get it. So having like a poly person who's not involved, you can go to and say like, I just need to like vent this out to you and I need you to hear me. And then we're done. And then you just, you feel better. And then otherwise all it's going to do is harbor resentment towards your other partners. And it's a terrible feeling. And then they're like, okay, well, what's wrong? Nothing. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it because it's not worth, that would be my other piece of advice. And then like, my third piece of I think advice. that's really good, actually. I don't yeah. want to move on from that yet. Oh, yeah. I think that's really 
um, you know, having somebody who can just listen to you, who gets where you're coming from, gives you the space to when you say so, because sometimes I'm sure other people have had this experience, too. Sometimes when I say things out loud, they land as like, oh, my God, I am blowing this totally out of proportion. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I couldn't see it. But once it's out loud, it's like, oh, God. okay, all right. Mm -hmm. I can let it go now. I mean, you know, maybe not universally, but I've had the opposite, too, where I'll like journal or I'll I'll say something out loud. And then I'm like, oh, man, that's fucked up. Uh Oh, (laughs) I should probably do something about that. (laughs) Well, and I find too, like, I don't like to air everything out because, well, a like, especially because obviously, like my husband and my girlfriend are like the two people I two of the people I trust the most in my life. But like, if I need to talk about one of them. I feel like I can't talk about them to the other because I'm like, like it's, it's sticky. So like, it's nice to have like a person who's not involved that can give you some clarity without also being involved in the situation or at least just like, yeah, let's you just let it out because otherwise it'll just, at least for me, it just like sits there and it's, it's a lot. Um, Yeah. And then like, this is going to sound really silly, but my, my third piece of advice would be get, a shared calendar and keep mm-hmm. it updated. And I know that's like, you know, that's kind of like the joke of Polly's like, Oh, everyone's on the Google calendar and it looks crazy color coded and stuff. But like, it's not a joke. It's for real. Cause like everyone needs to feel like, you know, time, especially if that's your love language, that's what you need with your partner. And like, there needs to be time for the married couple and like the other two and like, and there's kids stuff and there's, other people of other partners. So like, I would highly recommend (laughs) get that calendar and like be like, I don't know. It's, I find that Google calendaring is really an important poly skill. It really is. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to plug a certain one. I don't want to get you in trouble for a certain app, but yeah, there's this one that like we use and it's really nice because we can all put like even stuff. Like I had drinks with my friend last night, like my best friend, I put that on there. It's like, Oh, well now we know Aaron's busy. So it's just so nice without having to be like, what are you doing this Saturday? I don't know. Let me check with my husband. I don't know. Let me check with my wife. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. ah, so it's not, I'm serious. Like get a calendar. And no, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm divorced and share custody of my kids. And mm-hmm. so there's like a kid's calendar and uh, my yeah. shared calendar. And then partners have shared calendars and, you know, it's a little complicated, mm-hmm. but it works it well. works and it, it helps, at least for me, it helps me like look at it and say like when I'm feeling the FOMO or whatever, I can look at it and say, I've got, no, I've got time. They like, he has time for me. She has time for me. They have time for me. It's right there. It's everyone just has to, everyone gets their time and it's easy to see like, Ooh, like maybe they aren't getting enough time. I need to like, make sure that I can be flexible. And it, it just puts it all like putting it all on paper and see, and, well, not real paper, but you know, <laughs> getting it all down really does make you see like, oh, yep. Let's, let's try to make sure everybody's feeling that they're getting what they need from each other. And it's not all just 
one-sided or two-sided it's everybody mm-hmm. and i think with that like oftentimes and i know i've done this before married couples or people who are cohabiting can assume like well i'm spending almost 24 hours a day with them i always see them they're always there but quality time is like yeah. almost non-existent you know like yeah okay yeah we're hanging out and doing the dishes or something <laughs> like okay we're hanging yeah. out with our daughter but like date nights are often really important for people who cohabitate because so much just gets blended into the background noise of like, this is how this is just life, you know? Um, So that's really important. But actually one thing I wanted to mention when you were talking about like having four relationships in a, in an ethical triad, I do think there's a really important fifth relationship and that's the one with yourself. That's a very good. And like actually putting self-care on your calendar is so important or putting a date with yourself, you know, like, especially when you have a lot of relationships and you're expending a ton of emotional energy, like, get something to refuel your own batteries, you know, every day or every week, whatever you need to do. (laughs) That's a very good point. I need to do a lot better at that. (laughs) Yeah. um, I would, that is, um, and it's nice too, what you were saying about date night. Cause like my, my husband and I have now for the past, like several years, like we are very, we do that now too. It's like every Wednesday we do not budget. That is our night. Like, and I think that's just a good thing to do in poly in general, um, especially if you have like, um, if you're entering poly and with already maybe like a spouse or a nesting partner or somebody long-term, because like that always helped me when I was struggling in the beginning to remember like, okay, yeah, he might be gone tonight, but Wednesday is like our time. And quality time is my love language. Like it's my number two, my number one is access service. And my number two is quality time. So like sitting on opposite ends of a room is not a date to me. And like, so yeah, sure. I might live with somebody that I see every day, but like, if we're like in our own little worlds, like that's not time to me. So that's why the calendar also helps because it it's not just scheduling like time. It's scheduling like devoted time mm-hmm. for, for him and I, or for her and I, or them or any of my people that I see. So yes, if that's especially your love language, you're going to definitely want, that calendar <laughs> set up so yeah. some kind of organization some yeah. kind of organization so that you're feeling um valued amongst all the chaos that makes a lot of sense yeah mm-hmm. if Overall. you have a schedule that can make those things work i mean sometimes right. life doesn't always work that way and yeah. you just have to wing it but if you can i think it's a really great thing agreed yeah sometimes life gets in the way of having um successful polyamorous relationships, you know, but, but also I think giving yourself some, um, again, I think that comes with the self-care knowing where you hit, when you hit your saturation point. And then also when you just are like, Hey, I might might need to take a week off from some dates, you know, or whatever. I know Mm -hmm. that I have a partner who's moving and I'm like, don't worry about dates. You got shit to do. Like, uh, we'll, we will reconnect later. Like it's fine. My (laughs) partner, one of my partners has been doing that. And, uh, We've, it's been great. I'm moving as you yeah. can probably yeah. I see all of your empty bookshelves. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, that was great help from actually a partner at a meta <laughs> who came over and packed up all those bookshelves for me, but also like partners working on getting the new place ready and mm-hmm. like they're kicking into high gear on that. But I have to stay really focused on packing the rest of my stuff because it, all these moving parts have to move simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And it's great to have 
so many people who love and care about me and my family to be able to cause that to happen. But it also is like, wow, that's a lot of time that is not like the kind of loving one-on-one time that we all might prefer. Yes. Yeah. I know. And then it's hard too. Cause like, <laughs> it's like, okay, tonight's date night. What do you want to do? Well, we have to do our taxes. <laughs> Perfect. That's what yep. we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes responsibilities. Can we get ice cream? Yeah. yeah, like, at least, taxes. yeah let's at least crack the wine and do that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, as somebody who is um, panically doing my taxes literally this morning, I totally get that. Uh, also married to someone who hates doing any kind of paperwork. Mm. Oh, yikes. It's rough. <laughs> but, you know, you got to get shit done sometimes. Yep. <laughs> yep. So is there anything else you wanted to add to our topic about ethical triads? Anything you wanted to leave our audience with? Um. It's so funny because I feel like I'm not an expert, but um, <laughs> I guess... I will leave on this like statement is that you can do as much research as possible. You can ask as many people as possible, but at the end of it all, it's you you have to trust your gut and your feelings. And if you feel like you're in an unethical situation, that's making you uncomfortable, you have to walk away or or confront it. If you feel like if confront it or walk away. Um, And if and if anyone else has anyone else has anything to say about it, if you're in a triad or any sort of situation that you are happy with and someone else might look at you and say, nope, you're doing it wrong. They don't have any say in that. You know, it doesn't matter. And that's I think the the community at large we have here is generally pretty good with that. But um, not so much this Milwaukee scene, but I've been in other like poly groups where my situation was very much judged by other people because it wasn't what they thought was appropriate or ethical or whatever. And I'm like, but you're not involved. If that person's not involved with it, it doesn't matter. Don't let them get in your head. If you and the people involved are happy and comfortable and living the life you want, that is all that matters. And that's, I guess, where I would leave that. Because ethical triads can exist. Yeah. And they, <laughs> my ethical triad may look very different from yours. And that's mm-hmm. fine. All that matters is that the three of us or whoever involved feel good about it. Right. All the people in the relationship feel comfortable and heard and respected and loved. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the pod today. This was a really good conversation. I love this. Oh, yeah, thank you. Was this really was fun. great. That's fine. Well, thank you again, Aaron, for joining us. This was awesome. All right. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember... We love you. Bye.